1: we get together to meet with successful people from around the globe to dissect success for vibrant conversations and interviews. Make sure you click the subscribe button on the App Store because each week we will drop a new episode to bust through the myths around success and dissect its true meaning.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Dissecting Success. I'm Blair Kaplan Venables. I'm here with Teresa Lambert, and I'm also here with Jale Zendie. I just say her name like that because it just needs to be said like that. Um, She's a global leadership expert, a seeker of hidden gems and passport stamps, a tea connoisseur. She helps service-driven leaders from entrepreneurs to UN directors transform stress into strengths so they can upgrade their confidence and take their impact to the next level. Her 19-year research-based framework, helps teams discover and unblock blind spots, utilize their values, vantage points, and voice authentically and sustainably. Sustainab- sustainably. <laughs> uh, who has a tongue tied twister? Me. Anyways, her foundational philosophy is diversity is meant to nourish and help us flourish. She has a book coming out, which we're gonna talk about. And you know what? When she's not jamming and making a difference in the world, you can find her frolicking on the beaches in Portugal, hanging out with her husband, and having tea dates with me on Zoom. Jane Zendier, welcome.
2: Thank you so much. I love our tea dates. Thank you so much for having me.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. And our tea dates have actually progressed because so I'm in Canada. She's in Portugal. We met through one of our coaches, and we've been friends for about a year. And our tea dates have now progressed from WhatsApp messages to even I, I, I message so like so you know it's like me and Teresa we progress from business besties to besties I love it it's so special oh, so thank you so much for joining us today
2: oh thank you for having me I'm I'm so happy to be here it's oh, amazing be here with you both
0: okay so let's dive right in jalaise and day
2: oh, I just want to say your great. name like that forever
0: um <laughs> what does success mean to
2: you love these questions. Thank you so much. I, for me, I continue to learn from a lot of very smart people who I always think learn from people who are much smarter and more experienced than, than yourself. And I think I've just always made it my business to put myself with other people who are much smarter and just doing incredible things. And one of the things I continue to learn of just observing them and then getting to work with them and collaborate is success is actually this very dynamic force. for doing good, not only for our own lives, but for elevating the quality of life for others. So I think success is this reciprocally beneficial um, process that is nourishing our strengths and, and our capacities and our gems of talents and also activating and polishing and refining the gems of others um, with the spirit of joyful service.
0: So special. You know what we should do before we go any further? Let's talk about gems. Nice. Tell us, tell us about gems.
2: Oh, I love that. Um, So I, I've raised, been raised by two very different parents. One is Persian and one is American. And they both had this, this really special um, belief in humanity that comes from their, their, I think, spiritual faith. And there was this incredible line that says, every single person is a a mine rich in gems of inestimable value. And there was this painting of that particular quote in our living room. And I, so I think growing up with that piece of philosophy, um, since I was really little, I was always being encouraged to see the, the gems in myself, as well as the gems in other people. And I think gems in that respect is those qualities that allow us to be at the best version of a human being as possible. So our p- capacity to be generous and thoughtful and conscious and thinking of um, others as we walk through our day and noticing opportunities to make someone else's moments a bit brighter or healthier or more united or more understood. So I think it's this ways to connect and ways to communicate and ways to understand and to express and to to lead lead our lives from a place of service that's, um, we're actually becoming better versions of ourselves as we're doing good for others and then receiving the blessing of that as well. So I think gems are these ways for us to be worthy of the name human. It's our humanity being polished. Wow. I just need to take a moment to like
1: take in, you know, what you just shared and what a timely message for humanity to think about. Like what a timely message for humanity to think about at boiling point, you know, to, I love this too, how this, philosophy around the gems that you were taught on and that this philosophy that you grew up with ties so beautifully into this definition of success being this dynamic force to not only do good and elevate your own life but that of others way to to make the time to not just show up and and make our gem shine brighter (laughs) But to acknowledge and seek opportunities to do that for other people as well and their experiences. So powerful.
2: Thank
1: you. I just don't even know what questions to ask. Oh, I just I, have to I let know. that sink, you know?
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, I how does <laughs> I just feel like it rolls off the tongue. Um, so how do these, like the gems, you know, you've created these nine leadership styles. You, you, you're writing a book that's coming out this year. Do these, like, how do these gems tie into that? And like, could we talk about those leadership styles?
2: Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Um, so yeah, so since, so for about 20 years now, since graduate school, I, uh, was really interested to learn how do people who care about others, how do they not burn out? How do they sustain their love for humanity? How do they sustain their joy in service Um, and keep being incredibly impactful at the same time? And so um, I didn't think that at the time that I was starting this, that it would be a 20 year research project that just keeps building into a framework. I just wanted you know, to pass research in my grad school class. Um, but my professor kept encouraging me to keep going with it. And so as I, as I continued to go to different countries and live in different places, I kept being um, able to connect and become friends and, and collaborators with people who were from very different walks of life, very different cultures and backgrounds and native languages. But there was this golden thread that kept connecting people and it wasn't that we looked the same or we checked all of the external boxes that made us um, such aligned friends and kind of start to call ourselves family, um, where we don't look like each other at all. My skin tone was completely different. (laughs) My hair texture was completely different, but we start seeing each other as family members. And I was like, how does that happen when we're so different? And so I started realizing that there are different, there's a lot of diversity that happens as we show up as, as an individual, but we also have all of this internal diversity, the way people see themselves, the way they see reality as the way that they see possibility to improve conditions around them. So there was this vantage point that I noticed that even though people were very service driven and really focused on taking care and being, taking good, um, yeah, wanting to contribute something positive to other people, that there was all this uniqueness in under the umbrella of being a service-hearted person. So um, I started realizing, oh my gosh, I think there's different vantage points. Each vantage point comes from a very different set of strengths, and we cover each other's blind spots. Mm -hmm. So at first I thought there were three leadership styles, and then I realized there were six And then I realized there were nine. So there's nine distinctive leadership styles, and each one is designed to be highly harmonious with all the eight others. So they're never meant to be in competition or um, compete for the spotlight or compete to be right. They are all each correct because they're helping to support um, or close the gap on an incredible need that each individual has and then also society as a collective requires in order to be thriving and healthy. So the oh sorry. So your your question was about the the nine leadership styles themselves.
0: Yeah well you're you're answering it like we you know how you got there is brilliant. I love that this has been a two decade project. Your book <laughs> is going to be probably a game changing for the world of business or anyone who's in leadership. So I'm excited about that. And yeah, I would love to dive into like, what are the nine leadership styles?
2: Oh, Awesome. So there's what I call the, some of the telescopic vantage points. So their, their vision for humanity tends to be very innovative and expansive. So innovation and creativity is one of those um, leadership styles. So they care very much and see the potential in everything. They see the big bright possibility where other people might see that it's too challenging or too difficult or there's too many obstacles. They tend to see obstacles like an x-ray machine. They're like, oh, that's porous. We can go around that. We can break through that. They're they're highly innovative and they get so much joy in actually navigating a a path that takes us to the next milestone and then the milestone after that. So so innovation and creativity is one. Then there's humanity and noble actions. So also very telescopic, big, bright visionaries that really want to create processes that help individuals or teams or groups or communities tap more into their innate goodness and know how to express it in very practical ways. Um, So those are two of of the telescopic um, ones. And then two of the more microscopic leadership lenses are just as important and just as visionary, but they tend to look at some of the nuances that are often missed. So for example, um, elevating experiences and memory making are is one, one team of leaders and they're really excellent at finding the processes that are kind of becoming sort of just the traditional way to do something. And there's all of this potential through their vantage point to make things more um, joyful, brighter, more memorable. They care very much about the the quality of the experience because the quality of the experience leads to better memories and more joy and feeling alive in our lives. Mm-hmm. So they care about not just living a life but living a life that is worth talking about and recalling these incredible moments. Um, so they, they're excellent at, at helping to kind of recalibrate what we see as the possibility for an experience that may have just gotten a little bit mundane or methodical. So they're creative in that way. And then another microscopic lens is um, improving the quality of the environment or the space. So they're extraordinary at either a virtual space or an in-person physical space. They're extraordinary at realizing that underneath everything that we do in the day, the quality of the space is um, where a lot of the magic is um, kind of f- festered from the, that kind of lamp of creativity. We need a space that fosters creativity or learning or growth or rest or healing. So they're, the first thing that they see in terms of all of the leadership styles see the importance of everything, but where we need to begin is usually through our vantage point. We can't start talking about writing better articles unless we figure out the best way for the author to have an environment that fosters that, um, that power of expression. So expression is important, the space is important, but each leadership style, we'll see we have to start here. This is the drop of the stone in the pond and then the ripple of impact continues from that place. So those are, those are four of the, of the nine.
1: (laughs) So interesting. I love this. I mean, I was listening and I was like, innovation and creativity sounds like my complete
2: leadership style,
1: but is there like a I'm like curious, like, do leadership style mix? Like, have you found that people um could like hold more than one leadership style? Was there like a dominant leadership? I, I mean, I love this. I, I just want to like, I'm just really curious to like, um, you know, learn more around like how, how does that show up in different teams? And what have you noticed in terms of dominance or are they
2: mixing or? So cool. Yeah. Oh, such a great question. So I've worked with teams of of people who are each very confident, very strong, very talented, very smart. Each member of the team is bringing their whole arsenal of of experiences and talents and education. Um, But they're also, each of us are bringing our leadership lens to the table, whether we know what it's called or not. The thing that we can do and see with obvious clarity tends to be an expression of our leadership lens or leadership style. So it tends to be just one, like we each have our primary leadership style. It's how we see the world. It's how we see ourselves. It's the first thing we notice when we step into a space. It's the first thing we see that's missing um, in order to make a situation improve. Um, But we also have a, We have all of the needs that each leadership style covers. So whether or not it's our unique leadership style, we actually don't have to have all nine leadership styles because that would be exhausting. When we try to cover all the bases all at once, I think that's one of the things that causes overwhelm. It allows us to feel isolated or just exhausted because we think we have to be covering all the bases all the time. So I've found that a lot of the teams I've I've started to do these trainings with um, about 10 years ago, that when we know that we can trust ourselves and we know how to express what we see and we're able to also create a space or a culture where we're encouraging other people to express what they see with HD clarity, that seems so obvious, but it's not. (laughs) It's some other person's blind spot. So the best teams are knowing what they see with HD Clarity, what their strengths are according to their leadership style, but then it also creates this incredibly nourishing space and culture where everyone's voice is needed. Everyone's voice can be right. Everyone's voice can actually cover someone else's blind spot. And it, it's not in a chaotic way. It can actually be like nine different instruments playing in tune with themselves. Like can harmonize to play a melody together with others because each person is staying in tune with their own instrument. So we can Leadership only band. harmonize well, you know? <laughs> I'm picturing, I'm picturing like
0: all the leaders with like their, their instruments marching in a marching band on a field.
2: Nice, <laughs> nice. And which is like super personal to me because I was actually in a marching band when I was in middle school and high school. And no it's way. like very, that's very close to my heart. Some of the best times in high school was
0: Battle um, of the Bands,
2: Grambling and Grambling State. And a lot of the historically black colleges and universities, our band instructor would take us to, to see them because, oh, playing playing music and dancing with a hundred other people is such, I think it was like planting the scenes for my my leadership framework where it's, We're not competing. Like Even if someone is playing a solo, no one's trying to outmatch or outplay the soloist. It makes everyone sound better when everyone's instrument is playing in tune.
1: I love it. I think that's such a progressive way you know, to look at leadership. And through my experience, like managing a large team, I was a um, hotel general manager prior to becoming a business coach. So um, I used to lead a large team. And one of the things that I really, you know, found from just hearing you speak and having, you know, it is like building teams to me always had a little bit of an art behind it and this recognition of other people's strengths and allowing them to act and move within their strength and see yourself as supporting in areas where they don't was such a huge piece that um, I focused on and and I did some personal education, like growth work um, with creative problem solving. And um, it's all about how we take in um, like information and how we deliver information and and how we learn. And so it was really cool um, when I brought that to the team. And I feel like as you're sharing this, these different leadership styles and learning for the band to play together, um, there's so, so much power in allowing anyone and everyone on the team to be their own shiny pride gem, you know? And and removing this hierarchy from teams, I feel like is such a big thing that is a shift that's happening in the workplace and I've, I've seen it, but still it's so rooted in how we build organizations and structured them for the last, you know, hundreds of years. So I find this so fascinating, and it's so progressive, and and I agree with what Blair said. I feel like this book and what you're bringing to the table is going to be a real like game changer.
2: Thank you so much. That means so much coming from you. I I so appreciate your your reflection. I I'm I'm so excited to share it because it it always it brings my heart more more joy and steadiness, frankly. When when I know what I'm good at, I know what I can actually confidently say and I can trust myself as I'm leading my life and I can help then other people trust themselves and remember that we don't have to be the same in order to be valuable. We don't have to be the same in order to be included or have a sense of belonging, um, that there's, there's actually very different facets of a gem for the purpose of reflecting light from every angle. And I think that's what we as human beings can do for each other. We can actually just keep reflecting more wisdom, more experience, more insight, more possibility, more, more ideas, um, more solutions. So we each get to be part of humanity being raised up and then we lift up each other together. And then it's an easier lift than elbowing each other out of the way to try to you know, lift up something that's incredibly hard and sort of counterintuitive to physics. <laughs> so a harder struggle.
1: Wow, 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 wow. So much. I mean, I feel like I could, like, I would have lovely tea sessions with you. I'm a big tea fan. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh, I'm myself a myself. Maker. I'm and a matcha maker, like, matcha maker, match make, like beer, match, make I me wanna, a matcha. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I feel like let's have a tea date because like I'm like
1: I could like I feel like I could talk to you for hours but you know be a pleasure I feel like um one thing that I've seen and and I'd love sort of your perspective around this is that as particularly in the last couple of years in the environment that we're in with what we're going through as a, co- a collective um what I've seen is separation becoming bigger and bigger and bigger and, bigger and just what you're presenting today, what you're talking about today, your mission, your vision. Like, I get so much energy from you around this. It's really about not saying you're right, you're wrong, or I'm right and you're wrong. It's like we're both right in our own way. And how can we find ways to hold space? and compassion and acceptance and understanding for the other person and their way of being in this world, maybe even their beliefs, their thoughts, while at the same time honoring our own. So I it screams this incredibly huge <laughs> message of come together. And notice what you can really change when we work collectively in a group. And and all I can think of right now is like ants, you know, working together to lift rocks that are like, I don't know, like thousands of times heavier than them. But because they're collectively yeah. doing it, they lift it effortlessly. Uh-huh. And so you know, you probably didn't intend your book and your message <laughs> to take on such a grander scheme. But like, to me, it's also, it sounds like the leadership that you're calling humanity to step into. Sorry, maybe oh, I've just made no, it bigger so than it good. is, but it that just, that's what's
2: coming through for me. <laughs> this is what happens. Thank you, Teresa. No, I, I'm, I was... I've been putting off writing this book for years, like for years, people are like, you should put your framework into a book. Like this would be so great as a, as you know, people can talk about it or have book clubs. And it's like, Oh no, it's, you know, I'll just keep it to my you know small community and my clients. And I didn't really see it as that important because it was just something that helped me throughout my life. And um, you know, the, the kids I would work with or the people I would mentor or my clients um, you know, Leadership consulting and several team building. So it didn't feel important to me <laughs> to like share with so many people, other than the people who were inviting me to speak on it or go to a conference or something. And then um, and then with the pandemic and just a lot of the things that humanity has faced individually, we each have a different experience of it, of course, depending on our country, depending on where we live or socioeconomic background or you know the community we're in or the you know there's a lot of variables but there's also this collective experience that we're all having as one human family on one globe <laughs> spinning at you know we're all spinning on the same earth together and two of my clients kind of pulled me aside and and said if you don't write this like who's gonna write it because this is you've done you know 4000 interviews like you've you've done this like framework for 20 years and so i started to see like maybe it could help a few more people than i thought or maybe it could just add another tone to the conversation that's currently being had so i i humbly like receive what you're saying and it's it's not me i think it's just this collection of spending a lot of time with incredible leaders around the world and i'd love to just keep telling the stories of these heroes um, and patterns that I've noticed that keep giving my heart a lot of hope in in humanity, because we can also see a lot of the contrast when when there's difficulties, when there's fear, when there's criticism, when there's pain, when there's grief. We don't always know how to act in our highest selves when we are um, struggling, when we're confused, when we're um, hurting, and when we're just frankly terrified like there's there's just a a fear that every single human being can feel whether we want to admit it if it's fear or not but we got we have fear and it's often what brings us together is the things that can also create more cracks and and division and the power of unity which was another thing that um i was taught about by my from my parents that baha'u'llah said about the power of unity not the power of sameness, but the power of people bringing their their hearts together and their their gems together, um, and their focus on solutions together. The power of unity is so, so powerful is the light of unity that it can illuminate the whole earth. And as a seven-year-old, I didn't really know what to do with it, but I was always picturing like a big bright light. And I was like, oh, people holding hands and like doing nice things together. And like, you know, little kids skipping and like, you know, having a snack together and, oh, you want my peanut butter crackers? Here has my jelly beans or unity was always for me, this like little thing that kids do very naturally. They don't really care if someone looks different, but if you have a nice snack or if you're nice to me, we can get along and be best friends. Um, And so I, I think how we can hold space for a lot of strong triggers and emotions, um, especially that these last two years have had for so many people, like how could it not is asking really good questions. And I, when I lived in China for two years, I met a 92 year old doctor. I've told Blair about him and he, he helped me so much. I actually had a heart condition and he helped me heal from that. And also just helped me come back to life, like seeing life in a new way and trusting myself and he said, um, whenever I would ask him a question, he's like, that's a, that's a bad question. Ask a better question. Whenever it was limited, whenever it was based in scarcity or based in fear, he's like, bad question. Ask a better question. And he kept like, he was kind of training me to ask questions that lead us to the solution. So I think if you're ever experiencing someone who's maybe having a different opinion or something that is a little triggering even can actually see them through this lens of they're getting triggered by something that maybe I've also been triggered by, or they're experiencing something that I never have before. And I don't understand what life looks like through their lens, not saying it's wrong. It's not my truth. It doesn't feel right to me, but it's obviously something is real for them. And I can actually ask and not assume that I know what it's like to have lived in their shoes, but I can say, What do you need in this moment? What would help you feel more ease in this moment? What would give you a sense of being able to breathe deeply in this moment? Because I may not be able to solve the solution or solve the problem that's triggering them, but sometimes just asking what people might need in order to be able to take a deeper breath and know that they're not alone. Because in this moment, maybe they just don't need to be alone in their fear. So sometimes just asking a better question, not from a triggered place, but from if the solution was already going to be present and the solution was going to come and things were going to get better, what could I ask to like lead to that reality and trust that it's possible? I think trusting that things can get better, even if it sucks sometimes, even if it's devastating, sometimes Sometimes it's we, we don't even want to get out of bed sometimes because it's like, why bother? This is just too hard. Like life is just feeling kind of a, a heavy load of nonsense. And um, I'm trying to keep my language better. <laughs> I want to say other things. But, you know, sometimes it's it's just very difficult. Like we go through very difficult things, but if we can be met with some shared humanity and not not be assumed to be wrong, but actually like, what if my wrongness can be, a part of the solution? What if my wrongness is actually just a veil that I haven't seen the light yet or haven't had that light bulb turn on yet? But what if it's possible? What if we help each other turn on the light bulbs? I love that.
1: I wasn't sure mm-hmm. if I was like, I feel like Blair was going to like chime in, but that was, um, oh my God, so much wisdom, Jale, on so many different levels. And I feel like leaders that are in organizations also the last two years have gone through a lot to show up. And so, you know, looking at our differences and and asking more powerful questions and opening ourselves up to new possibilities, I feel like that is just such a powerful, powerful way. So as we wrap up this conversation, and I know we could like talk literally talk to you forever so i'm sure we will have you back on this podcast um maybe after or around when you um publish your book so we can find out more what's been happening since and get an update for you but i would love Mm -hmm. to know if you would have to give just one piece of advice to somebody who is on their path to success on their path to becoming this dynamic force to do good and also elevate others. What would
2: you? Uh, what wisdom would you share with them? That's a beautiful question. And thank you for all of these amazing questions. And I'd be extraordinarily honored to come back anytime. <laughs> so just let me know. Um, I feel that one of the things that has been a, a marker for success in my own life and every single person I've ever worked with who really defines this like service-driven leadership, um, like the heart of of true, truly joyful, sustainable um, people from from all over the world in all walks of life, they all talk about values, like know what you stand for, know who you stand for, know why that is such a valuable thing for your work, for your life, for your projects, for your time and energy to be focused on. So know what you value and also remember that you are valuable, that you have something that is so precious and noble within you that actually wants to come out. It wants to be polished. It wants to have a voice to express itself. And third thing is, I think, value people who value you. Value people who appreciate you and care about you and encourage you and want you to succeed and want you to be healthy and happy and can reciprocate the care that you give them. I think value people that value you um, is a, a huge benchmark for uh, an impactfully joyful and, and sustainable life. It's it's um, it's sometimes they're rare people to find, but when you find them, like love on them, keep nourishing those relationships because they're they're very precious.
0: Amazing. Well thank you one last time everybody now <laughs> come on teresa oh man it. you're amazing thanks for coming on
2: thank you Bo. thank you for this podcast that you've created and for being such wonderful friends to each other and brilliant brilliant besties um, mm. in business also i think what you're creating is so So timely, and I'm so grateful to have been
0: here with you. Thank you so much. Well, I'm glad the scalpel for dissecting success was in your hands, (laughs) and thanks for tuning in to another episode. Peace. That's a wrap for another
1: episode of Dissecting Success. Enjoyed this episode? Make sure to subscribe
0: to Blair Kaplan Venables and Teresa Lambert's podcast, Dissecting Success, on the App Store. And follow us on Instagram at Teresa Lambert coaching and Blair from Blairland to stay up to date on our latest episodes, badass offers and more.